Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 133. We're your hosts, I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And no Jen. Aww. <laughs> Aww. Where's Jen, Sarah? Don't do with her. She's in New York City. New York City. <laughs> with the rope. <laughs> yes, she is. She is in New York City, guys. She's at the Met right now. She's getting her culture on. She's taking pictures of some statues, but it's awesome. Yep, I saw, but that's you. <laughs> that's super cool. Anyway, if I could be in New York, I would definitely be in New York. I love New York, especially yeah, in so this do weather. I. Yes. Oh, so good. This is actually, um, I've only been to New York once and I went to New York uh, to run the New York Marathon and it was the first, it's always the first weekend in November. I don't know if it will be this year. I know last year it was postponed, um, but uh, so we were there for the big Halloween parade that happens in, um, I don't remember what borough it happens in, but it's a big deal. And uh, so we were there for that. And then we were there for uh, November 2nd was the marathon day. And it was the perfect weather. It was so nice. It was warm in the evenings. It got kind of cool, but it wasn't too cold. There was no rain. It was just perfect. And so um, that stays in my memory of New York City. And um, I've always, always, always dreamt of living in New York. However, I know it gets very humid and hot during the summer and it snows during the winter. And I just don't think I could do extreme weathers like that. Yeah, right. I um, I went, I think it was in May. I went twice uh, and I only went for a day, like not even like a 24 hour period. Oh. It was like just during the day mm -hmm. because I went east for my cousin's graduation. So oh, first, yeah. first for the oldest cousin graduated first. So we went for her and then we spent like a day trip in New York City. Mm -hmm. Then the same day. Actually, for my cousin, the, the youngest one, for her graduation, we did spend, I think, two days in New York. So that was cool. But we stayed, I think, in Brooklyn. And then we stayed to a place close to the train, mm -hmm. the metro, metro subway, subway. subway uh, yeah. <laughs> and so then we could walk there and then go into Manhattan, like in 15 minutes. So, yeah, uh, but I love I loved it. It's beautiful, uh, you know, and um, I uh, every time I go to New York, I always think Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I don't know why. It must be the comic book fan in me. That's but, funny. And I was well, like, I know. did see a rat the size of a dog when I was there. So oh, it could no. have been Splinter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's I, that would have been crazy. No, you know what I was so jazzed about? Hmm. And I took video of it because I was so jazzed about it was walking down the street and seeing actual like smoke coming steam out coming steam from coming, the ah. yeah, from the yeah. manholes I was like oh my god it does happen like I thought it was just a movie trick or whatever yeah. you know because you see movies taking place uh in New York City and there's steam coming out of the yeah. manholes and I'm like that's not true <laughs> but it is true guys and I took I took video and I was like guys it's true steam does come out of the manholes in New York City that's like that hilarious. was the biggest thing for me. It was so cool. 
but yeah, no, New York is a very magical place. Um, we ate, we drank, we, you know, it was, it's the places, some of the places are so tiny and the, the restrooms that they have like at the bars are so tiny. And uh, it, speaking <laughs> about restrooms, when you go to New York, you need to have a completely freaking separate budget just to go to the bathroom because there was not one bathroom that didn't have an attendant in it. And they're expect and they come out, you come out of the, of the toilet of the stall and they're already there with the um, paper towel or I don't know, whatever else that they're offering you. And I'm like, I don't need your help, but I can't say no now that it's already in my hand. And I felt so uncomfortable not tipping. So I started having to have dollars in my hand, just to go to the bathroom. <laughs> That's crazy. Everybody well, wanted a tip in New York. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought it was really cool. I really enjoyed it. It was really awesome. Just walking around. Just, we really didn't have an agenda. We just kind of walked around and just kind of visited everything. We saw the Statue of Liberty. That was awesome. I really wanted to take a picture to like John Lennon, mm. but there's several pedestal areas and they all cost differently. So oh, really? <laughs> so we were at the very cheap ones at the bottom. So you can't get that like up close, like New York, uh, John Lennon mm-hmm. picture. But, <laughs> but I tried. It was cool. <laughs> Ellis Island was awesome. And I was like, look at this tile. It's so antique. And imagine how many people what how many generations of people walked on this tile like and i i felt it with my hands and i was like i want to feel the energy some paranormal activity shit (laughs) but nothing 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 like that but it was awesome it was really cool yeah i'd love to go back for sure oh yeah yeah that's frank said like we should definitely go and like stay maybe three days like a micro Mm -hmm. uh micro trip and that way like kind of enjoy it more uh, but definitely for places like that, like anywhere that gets really humid, I do yeah. not want to go in the summer. I know. Hell no. Yeah. Yeah. That's not the hundred percent agree. <laughs> <laughs> like definitely like a nice early fall weather would be mm-hmm. ideal. Yeah. Sure. No snow either for me. No, 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 no snow. Not in New York. No. Or yeah. I mean, I am going to Alaska, but I'm kind of expecting snow. So right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's where Jen is, and we're here reminiscing about New York trips and wishing we were on a trip as well. But we're not. <laughs> we're here with you guys, the listeners. Uh, but yes. All right, guys, it's now time for Chisme de la Semana. Chris, oh, you have some chisme? I have some very sad chisme. And honestly, when we recorded last week, um, this chisme came to me literally as like we were ending and I closed my computer, Eddie runs out. I was like, oh my God, did you hear? I'm like, what? And he told me the sad news that Why the Last Man, the uh, FX Hulu uh, series based on the comic book by Brian K. Vaughn, Why the Last Man, has been canceled. I haven't even finished watching the first season. The first season... I don't know. Did they they only dropped the first two episodes in the beginning or first three? And I don't know how many they they did at a time, but um, I don't even know if they're done dropping episodes yet. All I know is that it got canceled. And 
for those who don't know, which I'm sure all of you do, if you've been listening to the podcast, Why the Last Man is my favorite comic book ever. And I was so looking forward to this, but I guess it just did not resonate with people. And even Eddie, who also has read the the series from the beginning to the end uh, and knows what it's all about said that he had a hard time getting into it and that it was just very slow moving for him and it just was not um, very appealing. So I guess maybe I just bypassed and looked past all of that because I wanted it to, I wanted to like it so much and I, I was just happy that it was on air, but he definitely Um, said that he was having a hard time really finding a character that he liked uh, and that he was interested in seeing where their development went. So I can understand that. And I guess a lot of, a lot more people cited on Eddie's view than on mine. So it got canceled. And all I could think of is little Brian K Vaughn and ampersand crying. The creator of the comic and the little monkey crying because it got canceled. Oh, wow. Well, I'd like to say that it was it's a surprise to me, but it really isn't. I yeah. I think I've seen I'm like I'm I'm up to date on the on the episodes. Like I've okay. seen uh all of them that are out right now. Okay. Um but yes, Eddie's right. It is uh, and I told you about this. I think it was last time we talked. I told you that um, I had read the comics, but I couldn't remember because it's so long ago. You know, mm-hmm. we've been we've been waiting for this for so long. Yeah. And so um, I couldn't remember and I should have gone back and read it. But I was asking you, like, was the main character? A, a, well, I forgot what his name is. Honestly. Yorick. Yorick. Uh, was Yorick really kind of like a... Um, a crybaby kind of like yeah because he was so he's so unlikable yeah and And so that's the thing i think that people one of the things that didn't resonate with people was that he was definitely not an a-type male he was not alpha he was beta a hundred percent and that's kind of the point of the story is that the the whole entire population of earth and he's the only male left and he's not really that likable. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he, his character develops over the time of the of the comic. And I think definitely if we lasted that long, people would have come around. But um, I I feel like there was not enough redeeming qualities that were being shown in the t- in the movie for people to really be able to like gravitate to his story. Yeah, I mean, he is escorted by this agent who has like a three-digit number name. Mm-hmm. I forgot three six five, I think. Three, yeah, and she was by far the one I really, really liked. Yeah, but he was constantly just challenging her, and not in a good way. Right, like you know, just you know, like asking her, "Why are we doing this? And why can't we rest? And why can't you tell me what the plan?" And it's like, "Shut up, Yorick! Let her do her thing." Yes, that's exactly how it was in the book. Except for in the book, uh, his girlfriend uh, had left to Australia and was actually in Australia, and all he cared about, or at least that's what he he thought, 
All he cared about was the the world is falling down around him and it's becoming abundantly clear that he is the last man on earth. And all he freaking cared about was the fact that he needed to get to his girlfriend. Mm. That's all he cared about. And it was so infuriating and frustrating because he was just, yes, he was very unlikable, but it's part, it was part of the storyline. Right. So, right. Anyway, it, it's very, uh, very disappointing and, uh, to me where you wait so long to see yes. an adaptation of something that you hold so dear mm-hmm. and close to your heart that you just love so freaking much. And then it's kind of like how I feel when I go to the movie theaters to watch Stephen King books oh, that have okay. been adapted to film. Mm. The, there's very few and far between books of Stephen King that get adapted to film that actually I like mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. they just become cheesy right. and the books are so good. And it's just, it's hard, uh, especially when the, uh, the source, the, the original source material is so good. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. do not let this TV show indicate the the um, the I don't know indicate what you think that the comic is going to be about or how it's going to develop. It is so good, like I really, really can't recommend it enough. So boo to FX and Hulu, <laughs> um, but the source material still is in existence. You can still see where the the um, storyline was going to go, and in fact, they did make some changes. So you'll even be surprised at some of the storyline from the beginning as well. Yeah, um, you know what was a little bit like sad for me was like I'm continuing to watch this series and all the women are catty, all the women yeah. are, are out to get you, you know, like we just turned into animals. Yeah. And I just I'm far along in the series where there's one group of women that are doing very well. Um, and they're nice and, you know, giving and nurturing and stuff. The prisoners? Like that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, wow. Like, you know, so we we all have the potential of being assholes. But like these women that are prisoners are like, they have it together. But maybe because they have been living amongst other women for so long already. Yeah. I don't know. But I was just like really disappointed in how bad women were <laughs> the lone survivors of earth like yeah. wow you guys suck we suck guys no but um you know and i'm sure i'm sure like maybe they would have taken a different direction but it was so slow paced that yeah. i mean i mm, i'm so sorry guys but I, i'd have to compare it to like some some walking dead a little bit honestly i was gonna say i think that the fact that it took so long for it to come out and that it followed such a successful post-apocalyptic series like Walking Dead, even though Walking Dead is is itself Walking Dead because it's just been on so long and everyone's just saturated it. with it yeah. and over it. I think that it was a detriment to it because a lot of people, yes, they're just like another post-apocalyptic story. Of course, there's no zombies in this one, but you know how I, I really think that people are vying for a different direction. So oh, yeah. 
just like how Twilight ruined vampire stories for me because it was just like <laughs> oversaturation. Walking Dead, post-apocalyptic stories used to be my favorite. And now I'm just like, okay, I want something different. Yeah. No, I get it. I totally get it. Well, quite unfortunate, like you said, because we were expecting this for so long. We were waiting for this. You and I were waiting for this for a while. Yeah. We kept saying, oh, like, oh, there's you know, that teaser trailer and there's like a snippet of why the last man. And I was like excited for like those two seconds, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, too bad. But still, like Kristen said, the trade paperbacks are out there. So be sure to check that out. Yes. And I have to tell you, I bet you 100% that every LCS out there that is within any kind of distance from you ordered so high and heavy on why the last man <laughs> Uh, because of this TV show. So uh, do them a favor and go check it out. All right, guys. Now it's time for On My Radar. What is on your radar, Kristen? So On My Radar this week is a book that was just released this last Wednesday, which was the 22, 21, the 20th, October 20th. And it is called... Catwoman Lonely City. It is a DC black, um, black, what's it called? Black label. I would say black book, black label uh, imprint, which is kind of like, I would liken it to how Vertigo kind of was an imprint of more like uh, mature reader stuff. Mature reader stories. Yes, but the, the black label. Um, is for um, the superhero stuff. Um, I feel like... See, yeah, after Vertigo left, they came out with Black Label and then they came out with DC Horror. I mm. honestly don't know why they got rid of Vertigo, but that's a topic for another uh, podcast, I guess. Yes. That, that would be like a whole episode of Vertigo. Yeah, yeah. So um, this book is written... And drawn by Cliff Chang. And if you um, have read Paper Girls and you've seen that art, then you are familiar with his style. But it is freaking amazing. His art style, his color palette, everything is just so awesome. I just cannot recommend it enough. But the storyline behind uh, Catwoman Lonely City is basically... Catwoman has been in prison for 10 years. That's a long time. Um, and it's uh, following a massacre that happens in uh, Gotham where, spoiler alert, um, I'm not going to say who exactly in case you want to read it, but three um, major, uh, not three, four major characters die and other major characters are sent to prison, and that is for sure Catwoman. So 10 years later, um, Gotham is kind of like going through this transition where they do not allow for costume heroes at all mm -hmm. um, and um, or villains. And there are these like... Uh, almost like militarized police that are like monitoring the city. And she comes out and she is like, what do I do now? She has no money. Uh, and she is wondering how does she survive? So of course, how did she used to survive? She was a cat burglar. So she goes 
to try to go back into her old life, trying to do one last big score. But 10 years have passed. This is a 55-year-old Catwoman. Mm -hmm. And so the character development in just this first issue of Selena Kyle being 55 years old, trying to scale walls and climb buildings and jump over uh, from one building to another is done so freaking well. I just, I, Eddie read it and he's like, Kristen, you have to read this. And so I read it. And honestly, I identified with that part where she's like, oh, my knees, oh, my back. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I hear you, sister. (laughs) Um, But in her um, trying to uh, discover, (laughs) excuse me, how she's going to survive in this new Gotham, Uh, (laughs) where everyone knows who she is and everyone knows um, what happened. She, there is a storyline where a mystery is happening. And I will share, it is a spoiler. He's not the only one who died, but Batman is dead. Um, And part of what happened to Batman is why she went to prison. Oh, wow. So, um, which brings up a whole bunch of other questions because of course we know that in uh, in canon Batman story, Batman and Catwoman were supposed to get married. They have this relationship. Supposedly they were in love. So that is very interesting. And so there's this mystery around his death and around whatever it was that they were investigating when it happened. And so she decides that she's going to figure it out and figure out and, and solve this mystery. So only the first issue has come out. It is a black label series. I believe it's a six issue mini series. And I cannot, like I said, recommend it enough. It is so good. Um, Written and drawn by Cliff Chang. And um, I would say since one just came out on 1020 that you'll see your next one mid November. Is this a short running series? Yes. It's just a limited series uh, about, I think it's six issues. Six issues. Awesome. What time is it? (laughs) (laughs) Every time I forget that we're doing that because I never write it down and then I get excited because es la hora de la cervecita. Excellent. What are we drinking today? And we are drinking some kind of fancy concoction right now. We have something called Dracula Daiquiri and it is Brewed by 450 North Brewing Company. So this is so cute. The can is red. It has a daiquiri glass on the cover and there are vampire teeth hanging off of it. And then there are a whole bunch of little like vampire slash Dracula type imagery on the can. There's a bat. Little bats. There's a casket. There's more teeth. Um, It's really cute. So this is called slushy oh it is it's called dracula daiquiri but it is a slushy xl it is strawberry strawberry daiquiri mix lemon lime and rum flavor and it does say that it is a sour ale so let's see um how much of this i can (laughs) drink (laughs) before i make a face but um where did you get this from sarah I got this at actually at two places. Um, the first one 
I went back to um I went back to 310 liquor. Um uh-huh. I haven't been there in a while. There's still they under construction. I know I I drive by a lot and I still see that it's uh all boarded up. Yes, yeah, still under construction and um uh, but they had this uh Dracula daiquiri and I was like it's Halloweeny time. I totally want to do this. Uh, but it was a little bit expensive, actually. Um, oh, really? Yeah, ten dollars a can. <gasps> oh my gosh! So, um, is it because of the content? I don't know. I think so. I think it's because uh, well, it says rum flavor, it doesn't say actual rum. But oh my god, ten dollars a can! Yes. And I was like, I really want to try it because it's expensive. So I think it's gonna be good. And also, I love the can art. Yeah. So I picked up one. Yes, I picked up one and I was like, I'm going to drink it on my cheat day, but I never had a cheat day. So then I was like, and then Jen said she was going to be in New York. And I was like, okay, well, this is the perfect time to try a beer that is not in her catalog that I've already sent. Yeah. um, That we could, Kristen and I can do here because I could just drive it to her place. So it just so happens that I was driving to go pick up some work. And so then I ended up just stopping by uh, Caps and Corks. And they had some there and they sold oh, them cool. in a two pack and you save a dollar if you buy the two pack. So <laughs> I, I, got the, I got the two pack and I saved one for Frank. So, uh, so that's why we're drinking it. So they, they were available at those two locations. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so I poured it into a pint. I did upon Sarah's recommendation, put it in the freezer for about an hour beforehand and uh it's still very cold it didn't freeze up i'm assuming the alcohol content in it might not allow it to i don't know science that well um (laughs) but i do know some people put their beer in there and they explode so um i only looked in there for about an hour and um i poured it into this glass and it is the consistency of like a freaking milkshake it is so thick and it looks like it looks like a drink I would get from Jamba Juice. And when I poured it out, it was just so uh, fruity smelling. Very, mm-hmm. very strawberry. Okay. And it says on the side of the can, it says Slushy XL. Yes. In a strawberry, strawberry, daiquiri mix, lemon, lime, and rum flavor, like you said. Yeah. The instructions on putting it in the freezer for about 30 minutes mm-hmm. were from the gentleman at Capsic Corpse who now recognizes me and knows who I am. <laughs> <laughs> so like whenever I go in, he's all, hey, how are you doing? You know, like yeah. they already know, who I, which I think is awesome. And I think a little sad because that means I drink a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um but he, you know, he came up to me and because I was holding the cans, right? He came up to me and he's like, here, let me take those from you. I'll have them at the counter for you. I'm like, the service is amazing. Okay. And so I, I, I again went over with and I go, you're saying to put it in the freezer, right? He goes, yeah, put it in the freezer and serve it out because uh, it might be a little bit chunky because it's a slushy. Yes. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll do that. So that's why I texted uh, Kristen, like an hour before, I'm like, Kristen, put it in the freezer. <laughs> She's like, really? And I go, yeah. Put it in the freezer. <laughs> and and have something to pour it in because she usually doesn't. No, I don't. And, and the okay, so like when she said that it was a sour, I was like, oh, hell no. I fucked up again with this. But I've had my first sip, guys. Yeah. And I poured it into a goblet. 
yeah. to make it look like blood. Like <laughs> I'm like in Dracula's castle and all I need is like my fangs and my little cape. But anyway, I've tasted it and it's freaking amazing. Yes. Okay. So I've tasted it as well. And you know, um, mm. there is mm-hmm. a, it's not a brand. There is a style of beer called milkshake um, beers. And there's a brewery in Fresno that um, I've been wanting to try. And guess what? I found some at the grocery outlet when I went home to my hometown. Okay. I haven't tried it yet. It's in the refrigerator. Um, but it is, um, I don't know what it's made with. If it's made with like um, lactose. lactose, yeah. But they call it like a, like a milkshake beer. And this is what this reminds me of. It, it doesn't look like beer at all. It looks literally like a daiquiri um, that has been blended up and you taste it and you can tell it is a beer. Oh, I know, right? You can tell it's a freaking beer. This is like some kind of witchcraft right here that I have (laughs) in this glass. Yes. Uh, And I don't know, 450 North Brewing Company. Where does it say that they are out of? Let's see. Um, I don't see, uh, oh, Indiana. Maybe that's why it costs so much. Maybe yeah. because of the uh, shipping and maybe distribution they- charges. And what, what did we say was the uh, alcohol content? Cause I, oh, I don't know. I didn't even see, I didn't see that part on here at all. Anyway, I'm, it's a I- mystery. I'm, uh, I'm you would think it's it. supposed to say, but I don't see it at all. Well, all I know is that this is very good. Um, I will definitely keep an eye out for more of this. And I love, love, love that it is on brand with Halloween. So cute. And it's just so flavorful. Oh, so just to remind you, it is strawberry flavor. It's made with strawberries, strawberry daiquiri mix, lemon, lime, and rum flavors. And it actually says drink, store it cold and drink it fresh due to the large amount of fruit in this beer. So that's very interesting. I've never seen that before on a beer. Me neither. And yeah, you're right. There is no percentage of alcohol in this. But let me tell you guys, I'm already really feeling it. I've had like four <laughs> sips, four sips, and I'm feeling it like, whoa. But, oh, my God. Um, did you grow up with your your mom or your grandma making you licuados in the morning? Yes. Okay. Not in the morning, but like whenever I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I did. Like my mom would, okay, at some point during my teens or my early, no, before my teens, my, I don't know, I whatever. Anyway, I was young. Um, and my mom started making uh, licuados with that freaking, uh, those uh, bulgaro milk, which is what they make yogurt out of. Uh-huh. Anyway, <laughs> but before that, she made regular licuados with regular old milk. And she would sometimes get strawberries and make strawberry liquados and those were fucking delicious and this is the consistency is thick yeah and creamy and 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 thick and creamy and just really i don't i don't know like this this is blowing my mind like seriously (laughs) like so i went to 450 north 
uh, brewing company. And unfortunately, mm. this beer is sold the F out. Mm. Um, and on the website, again, for more sad news, you could buy a four pack for $23.54. And that was including tax. Oh, man, I got ripped off. <laughs> but I don't but even care. You have cause... one and no one else does. because. <laughs> and also on the website, they are not talking at all about what the abv is oh my god i wish we could do a little like a thermometer but for abv and just like <laughs> dip it in but guys i'm already feeling loopy and i feel like this has just sparked the halloween spirit in my heart and so <laughs> like i i'm you know what fuck i'm so glad i poured this in this goblet yes it just makes it like and I got my Halloween color street nails on. I'm just Halloween <laughs> all the way, bitch. Yes. Oh, so good. So are you ready to rate? Oh, I could keep going on about this beer, guys. It's yes. So, so I mean, and th- there's kind of a little, a little feeling of like a banana kind of feel. Do you yes. feel it? Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. So just as a reminder, we rate our beers on a five-point scale, where one is flaccid, two is initial, three out of five is partial, four out of five is full, and a five out of five is rigid. And when a beer is off the charts, we love it so much, it won't even fit on the scale. It is a super saiyan. So Sarah, what do you rate Dracula Daiquiri beer? Super saiyan. (laughs) super freaking saying oh my god i want to go and go purchase some more because i know actually uh, it is i want i'm thinking the same i wish i knew what the abv was (laughs) but it is so good i also am giving it a super saiyan and every time i take a drink and i taste that it is a beer but i look at what it looks like i'm like what is going on it's it's like some kind of like cognitive dissonance (laughs) right in my head right so a super saiyan for me too i'm actually really sad that jen missed it and this is two super saiyans in a week for us because we also did super saiyan um on the the monkey shared with hondro yes oh my god this is a guys i don't know where you have to go or who you have to kill you gotta get this here (laughs) It is so good. And like, if, okay, like, let's say there's somebody in your life that's not a craft beer drinker, you can share this with them and they're going to love it. Yes. A hundred percent. Oh my God. It's it. There's a sweetness, but it's not too sweet. There's a sour, but not too sour. There's a milkiness thickness about it. I don't know, girl. It's, oh my God. (laughs) I'm in love. Can I marry a beer? Would I, I be charged? So. Would I be charged? <laughs> would I be charged with bigamy? I don't know. With bigamy <laughs> for marrying more than one person. I mean, <laughs> or thing. Uh, I'm I'm right now mm. on mm-hmm. the website or on the website on the internet trying to find out what the heck. Um. Oh my gosh. Okay, let me just tell you. They have a liquid haze top tree slushy as well that is also sold out but um i'm assuming that was great flavor oh i i think i saw it at 
310. I may, I may go pick it up. Yes, it is blackberry, blueberry, banana, blue carousel, and marshmallow. Oh, yes. I believe I did see we it We are going to race go? to 310 right now. <laughs> like, podcast over, recording stop. Bye, guys. <laughs> Dang. No, seriously. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. <gasps> and Honestly, I love banana. I love banana because yeah, you know too. it. It you know it, it could actually substitute a meal when you're on the go. Yeah, but even I never... artificial banana flavor, I enjoy. Banana is my favorite laffy taffy. Uh, oh, really? Uh huh. <laughs> you know, but as much as I love banana, banana was never on my radar to be in a beer. Right. Yeah. But it's just shocked me so, shook me to the core, and I'm so excited. So this is 450 Brewing Company, and it looks like this slushy type of beer is something that they do often. So even though these two are sold out on the website, I would definitely keep checking it out. Um, during uh, the year to see what else they come up with and have those uh, those buying fingers r- at the ready because it looks like they're so popular. They sell out so quickly. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. But just so you know, if it's sold out at 310, definitely swing on by to Caps and Corks because they, they do have some. They do have some uh, single and they do have some in pairs. But what am I drinking right now? Am I going to get really drunk? Am I, I not? How many do I have to drink? Like, I'm searching the internet and I can't find anything. Right. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's part of the mystery, I guess. A Halloween mystery. Halloween mystery <laughs> happiness. I don't know. I'm just excited, man. This is so good. And I'm like you said, I'm so sorry Jen missed out on it. But if I ha- get my hands on some more, maybe I'll just send her one just so. Oh, okay. Here we go. It is in... It's a five. It's a 5.0. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Okay. I found it. Yay. Yay. Good for you. Internet. <laughs> Internet's and Kristen working hand in hand. But that has been our beer review. Oh, my God. Two Super Saiyans. Amazing. Yes. And now it's time for our book review. What are we reviewing today? So today we have a autobiographical graphic novel called Girl on Film written by Cecil Castellucci. And if you think like um, that name sounds familiar, it's because she is the writer of one of our favorite books that we reviewed, the all ages book called Soupy Leaves Home. Um, And she's also written for... um, uh, Marvel and I believe also DC and she's uh, for DC I think we read a long time ago did we read Shade the Changing Girl oh we didn't yeah I wish oh, we, we didn't had. no we didn't oh okay oh you know what I read it for my book club but um, so for comics uh, she's written for DC Shade the Changing Girl she has a uh, YA book called The Plain Janes uh, Year of the Beast, and a whole bunch of other stuff. She's written Star Wars. She's written Batgirl. She's just no stranger to comic books. But in this autobiography, she shares with the reader that uh, comics was not her uh, first love, and it was definitely not her career path. And um, this graphic novel actually has been adapted from 
an autobiography that she wrote, um, uh, one without pictures. So, uh, so this <laughs> is, um, where the title comes from girl on film. Um, because she, since she says, since she saw star Wars and Raiders of the lost Ark, she was determined to become a filmmaker. She went to uh, college to become a filmmaker. She went to grad school to become a filmmaker and actually was on her the way and on the road to becoming one uh, and somehow got a little bit um, derailed. Uh, her, her tour took a, a scenic route. She was actually in a punk band and then she got into uh, comics, but we often see uh, in this industry that a lot of people who are interested in becoming filmmakers write comics. Um, because when you write comics, if you look at the way comics are um, are written and developed, it's almost like you are creating the storyboard for your movie. Right, right. So um, I found this book super interesting. Um, I've seen Cecil at um, at a panel at the uh, Santa Monica Library. It was called uh, Women of Marvel. And she is such a likable animated character. And I'm saying character. She's a real person. But her personality just gives her such character. And um, I really enjoyed kind of getting deep into how she got into comics and just who she was even before she started writing comics. Like there was a lot of information about how she went from being a young girl who just really wanted to be an artsy filmmaker, um, kind of like the black sheep of her family because both of her parents were scientists. Exactly. So mm-hmm. I found that very interesting, especially knowing how successful she's been at it. So very, very cool. She actually... I I actually really got into the whole like I want to say cheesement of it all but like she's had a fucking amazing life full of all kinds of crazy adventures. Oh, she absolutely. went to the same high school that the TV show and movie Fame um is uh based about. On- mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. based on. So I always I have no talent whatsoever but as a kid, I watched both the TV show and the movie. I think the movie was a little bit uh, too racy. I shouldn't have been watching it. I think, <laughs> I, I think it shows Irene Cara's boobies or something. But anyway, <laughs> which uh, I really enjoyed both. Uh, and I always wanted to go to that school. But I didn't really have any talent. So <laughs> <laughs> plus I don't live in New York. Uh, but I just found... The fact that she went to school with so many people whose names you would recognize as being actors and just famous people all around. And she hung out with them and she would go party with them and she sat in class next to them. I just find it fascinating. Oh, absolutely. E-Network TV channel used to be one of my favorite channels just because I have such a penchant for uh, celebrity gossip. (laughs) (laughs) So I just really enjoyed the book from that perspective but also just hearing about a woman who is successful in comics and the road she took to get there because you really don't think about it I mean it was a struggle but you for someone who is so successful you don't think about the struggles that they had to go through to get there oh yeah absolutely um 
I like how she opens up in the first few pages where she says, being an artist is like being a pearl. Uh, so like it's with the pearl it's formed from like grains of sand going mm -hmm. into the oyster and yeah. it's working at it, working at it. And it's actually trying to expel it. I Get think. it out. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then it becomes a pearl. So like this goes on for a long time where it's grounded and grounded and trying to be expelled. So like it's there's there's kind of like this this journey to become an artist like you're not just like okay i'm an artist and that's it you know like yeah. you have to create content and you have to hone in your skills and you have to constantly be do working at it like um you know a lot of people like they draw every day like yep that that's amazing to me and and you could tell like if you for instance like j just with uh, with eddie alone like i could see like the first book and see how when you see the simpsons like they look yeah. a little bit weird but now they look like really polished yeah and they continue to do so like it's amazing um like uh like krista was saying about isizel is like she was really good friends with chaz bono mm -hmm. uh which well now it's it used to be chastity bono but she transitioned into chaz bono and if you guys know that that's Cher's son mm -hmm. and one of the things I really like is like I was deathly afraid of Cher like <laughs> <laughs> I like oh, oh my god the part of the story where Cecil says that Chaz gave her a freaking Andy Warhol mm -hmm. yep she was just like oh my god I think he gave it to her for her birthday or something. Yes, yes. And Chaz was like, mm, I don't care about it. And she's like, oh, my God, I would die for that. So she's like, here, you can have it. And she was like oh my dying God. inside. Oh, I mean, who would not die for an, a, a, an Andy Warhol painting? And uh, I was laughing about how, yes, yeah, she talked about how she was deathly afraid of Cher. And Cher called her. Uh, the next day, I was like, yeah. uh, you're going to need to give that back. <laughs> She's like, I owned an Andy Warhol for 24 hours. <laughs> like, it was hilarious. <laughs> she actually met Andy Warhol. She briefly spoke to Andy Warhol. And I was like, damn, that's so cool. And uh, one of the things that, I mean, you know, as a fan, you're just like, oh, my God, I want to say the cool thing, but I don't I don't want to be too, like, weird about it. Like, so she's like, I'm such a fan, blah, blah, like, uh, I'm an artist as well. Blah, and he's all like, and he like Andy Warhol said, well, art is dead. It's all about <laughs> film. Like, <laughs> and she's like, oh, my God. Like, you know, like, it's I mean, the journey was just so amazing. At one point, she hung out with Jennifer Aniston before she was Jennifer Aniston. And um, she just came across so many people and like, there were so many mentors she came out along the way. And I thought that was amazing. But the way this comic book is written, um, there are parts in it. There's definitely a narration from Cecil. Like you firsthand get narration. But there are breaks within the story in pivotal points throughout the story where she talks to her dad. Mm -hmm. Um and it's kind of a science break because yes. he's a scientist and he actually is studying memory. Memory. Mm -hmm. And I think he did get a Nobel Peace Prize for his studies in memory. Oh, I didn't even know uh, that. Or a, I think he got some awards for his study in memory where they were using slugs as the test oh. subjects for memory. Interesting. Because I, there were... 
they were so they were so easy to study because reactions uh-huh they were like just so basic yeah and so they were able to chart like progress and memory and where memories are stored and you know I guess connection between other parts of your brain that create memory. Anyway, so there was a lot of parts within the story that, because she's writing her own story, uh, her memories are her memories. Mm-hmm. But that could she makes a lot of references where it's like this could possibly not happen the way this happened. Yeah, because I am associating with this. So. So what I'm trying to say, it, I don't want to get too involved in this because it, it'll go down a really weird hole, especially after drinking this beer. Um, <laughs> but um, I learned a lot about memory. Like often some memories are are solidified by pivotal points that happened in that memory mm-hmm. where it's stored in such a way that you could bring it back yeah. where other store uh, where other memories are like forgotten, but where there may be a song or a smell mm-hmm. that could trigger it back to the surface, yeah. but it won't be like a true memory because you might remember certain aspects of it differently. Yeah. Or some of them are not stored in such a historic way in your brain because they were just kind of passive and you might m- might um integrate them with another time and space i mean it was just so freaking interesting yeah it was very interesting and it reminded me of the memory uh classes that i used to take in um in college and yes you don't really realize how unreliable your memory is yeah yep. um and i think probably anybody who's taken like a psych 101 class had a professor who um, ran the experiment where he has a student or a TA or something run into the classroom, steal something off the desk, and then run out. And we all as a class, 50 to 100 people witnessed it, but not a single person in there could answer every single question that she had what color was he wearing how tall was he what did he take like all that stuff and it really opened my eyes to how unreliable eyewitnesses are when it comes to um when it comes to telling a story um where another person potential life or freedom is on the line Mm -hmm. and you can tell yourself something that could be a hundred percent false, but you tell it to yourself so much that you believe what you're saying. And so that you believe what you thought you saw. And it's not even because I remember when that happened to me in my class where the teacher had someone do that. And I could have sworn with on my life that it was, you know, what, what I saw him wear or what he took or, and it, I wasn't, I was wrong. Right, right, right. And um, within those breaks, he the dad does make a reference to eyewitnesses mm-hmm. and how their testimony could be not true. Right. I mean, even trauma. Uh, when you're mm-hmm. experiencing trauma, uh, you could remember it in such a way that it's not happening the way that you thought it did. Yeah. Or when you focus on one single thing. Um, for instance, 
I remember we were driving from Las Vegas. I was the witness for my friend. She got married to her husband. Uh-huh. And uh, we were driving back from, and my, my friend was at the wheel, and we were driving back from Vegas, and her tire popped. And, I mean, obviously, like, I was fucking stunned or whatever, and I was scared and everything, and she was able to swerve out of the way or whatever. But I don't, re- I remember feeling scared, and I remember hearing the tire pop, but her husband said you were screaming the entire time and i said i don't remember screaming wow i do not remember screaming yeah. i thought i just kind of held my breath and she, yeah. she thought no i was surprised that my wa- my wife um did so well because you were just screaming <laughs> like you know like <laughs> you um he's all like it, it was it made the situation just scarier and i was like yeah. I swear to God, I wasn't screaming. He's like, I heard you. And I was like, I swear to God, I, I didn't realize I was screaming. I still don't remember screaming. Yeah. You know? And in this book, you also see some trauma happen to her. And uh, they do analyze like what she remembers or every stuff like that. Like, so that made me think about a lot of victims out there that like they, they say they said no. And they're like, are you sure you said no? Yeah. And so and then sometimes, like, what you do you remember the most? And some, I remember one instance on a show, it's like, I just saw the time, the clock, and I was waiting for the minute to change. Yeah. Like, and it just took an eternity. Like, I worked, know, I worked with uh, survivors of sexual assault and domestic violence for a very long time in my professional career. And the survivor, the sexual assault survivors, especially, would have what is called body memories where their body experiences the trauma over and over again, where they actually, the body is feeling the actions or like if they were holding their arms down, uh, trigger warning, (laughs) uh, on this particular episode, probably, but, um, And that is fascinating to me. Trauma uh, definitely uh, asserts itself in our minds in a myriad of different ways. And um, memory, I think, is very interesting because especially with that kind of trauma, if it happened yesterday or it happened 10 years ago, your mind still gets re-traumatized as if it's happening right then and there with that memory. So mm-hmm. I, I find it very fascinated and fascinating. And those parts of the story in the beginning felt so awkward and weird, but by the yeah. end of the story, I actually really saw the connection and really enjoyed uh, those uh, little breaks. Yeah. 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 Me too. I was like, okay, it's a little long and I feel like I'm in school again and uh, (laughs) I should be taking notes because this will be on a quiz later, you know? But as it progressed, I was like so drawn in by those conversations with their dad about memory, about science, about all that stuff. And even, I mean, most of the narration about the the uh, discussion about memory is with her dad but towards the end she has discussions with her mom who is also a scientist where her mom tells her you know like your grandmother like had i don't know like 10 kids or 14 kids and she was a early a widow very early on and she had to like 
give up on her art to mm-hmm. send us send all her kids to college and you know make sure she I believe her her grandmother had to get out of school and wasn't able to really read or didn't have the education but she taught herself how to read mm-hmm. and in turn she taught her kids how to read and she would check out books in the library and I think she formed book clubs and stuff like that and so like I really found it like amazing that given all the circumstances she had in her life and all the hardships she still like tried to hold on to something she felt was really essential for her which is reading you know yeah and um and then I mean then her daughter becoming a scientist or whatever but then she also said you know I also loved art but back then uh how was I supposed to support myself on art so I decided to go for science like wow what a big difference all right but um but she said I do love science but I also loved art but I I felt at that time in my life I had no choice yeah I couldn't choose art yeah she's uh and she's on. I see a lot of your your grandmother in you, and I think you should choose art. Uh, you, you're very passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And she full on did. I mean, she was in a punk band. She, yeah, she freaking moved to Paris. Yes, she lived, uh-huh. there. and then also to Canada as well. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, it was just amazing. And um, I thought it was so funny. Be- not funny. I thought it was amazing actually that she applied because she she definitely wanted to go to this art school. But she also put her basket in a in a in a science school. So she mm-hmm. was applying for both because you had to you have to apply to get into these places and you have to win your way in there, like whether it be like through testing or or tryouts or whatever. So she did the thing for the art school, but then she also applied to the science school and she got accepted to both. Yeah. And there was a moment where she was like I'm probably sure my parents are going to want me to go to the science Mm -hmm. school, but they were like, no, if you want to go to the art school, you go to the art school. And I thought that was awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I really, I really enjoy uh, Cecil's books um, that I've read of her so far because she does a really good job of, um, of staying away from tropes uh, where, using women in the old tired, you know, damsel in distress and that kind of thing. Um, she writes very poignantly, um, with respect to women and people of color. And one of the things that stood out to me, I don't remember where she was talking about Frida Kahlo, but she was talking about Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera. And when she referred to Diego Rivera, she referred to him as muse to Frida Kahlo I know right I (laughs) thought that was so freaking amazing I love that it's kind of like how how you see women of note in any industry get referred to as oh so-and-so's wife like they don't even have a freaking name like if Eddie like if I became really famous but people only referred to me as Eddie D'Angelini's wife Right, I would right. be so mad. And I so I love because that's really Frida has often been um, reduced to just being Diego Rivera's husband, uh, wife. 
even though she is an artist in her own right and did so much uh, on her own, um, a lot of times people just refer to her as that. And so I love that that's how uh, she referred to Diego in her book. Yeah, and I think because she understood her husband's ego, she herself sometimes would say, yeah, you know, I'm Diego's wife, you know, Mm -hmm. because she understood his ego, but... I think deep down inside, she always knew she was an artist as well. And it took her a long time to accept that as well. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever came to terms with it, but probably I mean, not. It like, just my cheese mom probably not know it. <laughs> but I mean, I think the I think uh, the only show she she um, she had was like late in her life when she was already kind of bedridden. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that goes to show it just took so long for Mexico to even accept her as an artist right. as well. Yeah, that's but that's another story. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, um, just I mean, little snippets of knowledge. I mean, was, uh, there was a part where she said the hardest thing about art is quitting and boxing up a dream. That was mm-hmm. so that resonated so much in me. And I just I think there's a lot of little nuggets of wisdom you can take from this book and i really really enjoyed it um it was it was it was quite amazing it was quite an amazing journey yeah definitely it it was a it was a a lot to read but like we said like at the beginning you're just like what is the science or what what am i what's going on but then as the as the story progressed i'm like wow this is fascinating yeah and Actually, I didn't know this, but it was on uh, Oprah's must read list. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Uh, I don't know if the graphic novel one was or if it was the other one, but either way, you're getting the same story. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, are we ready to uh, rate it? Yes. So uh, this is Kristen. I will go ahead and start um, again. I have always enjoyed um, the books that we have read by Cecil. Um, I really enjoyed meeting her in person and hearing about um, all her work that she was doing at the time. And I really, really enjoyed all the chisme that she gave about the celebrity <laughs> <laughs> celebrities that she knew uh, in this book. So for all those reasons, I will give it three conchas. Yes, I will also give it three conchas. I thought it was really serendipitous how she met Steve Buscemi on the Metro. Yeah. And that she was the only one that the first person who ever recognized him because he did a film, uh-huh. um, like some kind of indie film. Yeah. And he wasn't mm-hmm. already in his 30s. And he I mean, I know who he was because he said he had been a um, firefighter before. Oh, I didn't started, know that. Yeah. Huh. Actually, for 9-11, he walked into a fire station and said, I used to be a firefighter. How can I help? Oh, and wow. He fucking, he was there for freaking 9-11 helping out. Like, oh, wow. That's how I knew. C, uh, that's how I learned C. Buscemi was a firefighter before his oh, acting okay. career. Yeah. And then he just took off. I mean, Boardwalk right. Empire and all these wonderful movies. The Big yeah. Lebowski. I mean, he's just amazing. Yeah. Um, um, I love this book. It spoke to me on so many levels. Uh, one of the things I really loved was... When she was thinking of moving to France, she said, 
I could be alone and miserable in a whole much better place. And she just <laughs> grabbed herself and moved to France. And I was like, yes, girl, that's how you should live. Like, you know what? I'm miserable here. But you know what? I could be miserable in France. Let's go to France. So Eating a- bread and cheese. Exactly. Thank you. Yes. So it's going to be tres conchas for me. I really freaking love this book. It was awesome. Go ahead and pick it up. It's really cool. And you learn a lot, too. And you guys know that I'm a person that loves learning stuff in comic books and learning about memory was really amazing i mm-hmm. i'm really grateful to have read this book because i learned so much about memory and how my own memory works as well so pick it up guys all right guys it's time for en la libreria and since jen is not here it is me sarah <laughs> you in la libreria and i hope to do it justice because jen does such an amazing job but in la libreria today we have alter girls book no it's alter girl book number four um and it's actually alter girl book four and five that are in this kickstarter it's um it's a series a Shouju manga inspired romantic school drama with cute, funny, and magical twists. Cool. Yeah, it's at a $6,000 um, goal. Actually, no, it was a $5,000 goal and it's at $6,000 right now, but it can unlock a lot of extra stuff. So the story is what would you do if you had the keys to heaven and earth? Ooh. I don't know, but let's find out. <laughs> Ashley Alters thought her life was tough enough as it was. That is until she realized her necklace is the, actually the magical key to Earth. Yeah, it's a magical key of Earth. Wow. Through the power and the key of heaven and assisted by the angelic Gemini twins, Sarah and Cherry, Seth Charming has been brought back from the death in from his death in 1929 to Ashley Alter's present day. Oh, there's some time traveling stuff. Ooh. Ooh. Ashley now has to deal with the mechanications of angels and demons on top of typical school drama. Oh my god. Just, <laughs> that's, little, that's scary. School it sounds drama, like a CW series. Right? It sounds a little bit like Buffy or something. Yeah. Uh, but she just wants her crush Adam Evanine to finally notice her. That sounds like <laughs> that sounds like it's right up my alley. So um, this is book four and five, but you could also pledge to get like the whole bundle of books, which is amazing. It's manga inspired. The art looks amazing, and um, yeah, like I said, we, it already looked like it reaches. Um, its goal but we just they unlocked a bookmark um stretch goal and a mini comic stretch goal and there's a sticker sheet at keychains enamel pins and additional key rings to be unlocked so definitely check that out that again is all to girl book four and five nice All right, guys, it's now time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, what do you have for us today? So today I actually have um, a documentary that was um, published, not published, produced by all people, DoorDash. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yes. The the food 
Yes. Oh my God. No way. Okay. Yes. So in case you didn't know, DoorDash produced a documentary called Somos Boyle Heights. Mm. And in this documentary, it showcases a number of local artworks and video uh, zooms in on a cast of key local figures, including restaurateurs, service employees, artists, and parents, all of whom serve as the inspiration for three new murals that are going up in Boyle Heights. Um, and they are painted in real time on camera. Oh, nice. Um, so uh, they're uh, in this documentary, they have the saying that says, don't move, improve. And if you haven't been to Boyle Heights in quite some time, actually, I haven't probably in a, I used to go all the time when I worked for my last organization because a lot of the girls would lived in that area, but I haven't been for a while. I just remember this one taco stand had the best freaking beans ever. I, oh, oh so God. good. Oh, and the original um, taco place that has all, uh, all braised meats. Oh, so good. Uh, guisados. If you have never tried a guisado taco, I mm. highly recommend it. Um, Wow. But yes, don't move, improve. And what I my point was being that Boyle Heights definitely has gone through a lot of improvement and change over the years. There definitely has been talk about gentrification, but um, I think that um, there's also a lot of people who grew up there who have stayed there who are really fighting to keep the um, the neighborhood uh, as close to um, supporting the local community as possible. So, and that's what they're saying in this documentary that don't move out of Boyle Heights, stay here and help create this community. So um, those murals that are going up are honoring real community members in vivid colors. And it's those people who are continuing to breathe life and color into Boyle Heights. It was inspired by real people, everyday people, um, whose stories need to be shared. So um, it's an homage to the people who continue to make that neighborhood unique and vibrant. So you can um, read, or read, you can watch this documentary um, um, by going to somosboyleheightsfilm.com and um, you can learn about the people in the, um, in the, documentary you can watch the documentary you can just uh actually also um it's loading right now with a whole bunch of doordash uh, <laughs> but, um excuse me you can um if you are a Boyle Heights resident you can actually upload your own photos of your community and there is a page where it will help you to find the murals there's a map where oh, all nice. the murals are located. So um, definitely check it out. And I'm just looking at the murals right now and they're just so amazing. So somosboyleheightsfilm.com. That is amazing. I uh, The last time I was in Boyle Heights was for an appearance of Lalo Alcaraz and he oh, was signing yes. his uh, print. The one, um, if you guys remember a long time ago, I, I think it's a couple of years now, there was a gentleman who um, who actually kicked over a um, Elotero's cart. Right, yes. And it was all filmed and mm -hmm. it was all over the social media. Yeah. 
And um, and so his print was all the proceeds of his sales were going to go to benefit in and give those funds to the elopero for maybe a new car or yeah. whatever he needed. But anyway, that's the last time I was in Boyle Heights. And uh, it just, I got to say, it's so rich in culture, like yeah. Chicano culture. Yes. Mm-hmm. And when I say Chicano culture, I don't mean Mexican culture. I mean a representation of men, Mex. Mexican culture, Latino, Latinx culture within mm-hmm. a city, but it's basically Chicano uh, culture because it's like all the kids that grew up here, uh, Spanish speaking parents with the food and the art and the music. And it's amazing. It's just amazing just to walk down those streets. Yeah, definitely. Um, I really enjoy going down there and just, um, I used to also go down there to um, uh, Cero Uno, Cero Uno. It was, I think it was called Ca- Casa Cero Uno, Cero Uno. Uh, or uh, Theater Cero Uno. I don't remember. But uh, there, it was a theater that was um, started by Josefina. Oh, I don't remember her last name. Uh, sorry, Josefina. But she's the creator of um, Real Women Have Curves. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And you know what? I was going to mention that I was in the restaurant, I think, that she owns. Oh, yes. I've been to that one, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. She was there. And I was I didn't talk to her, but I was like, oh, my gosh, she wrote Real Women Tap Curbs. Yeah. And yeah. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. But so anyway, as a Latina film uh, writer and uh, creator, she gives back to the community by teaching um classes that teaches screen uh screenwriting uh acting i've gone to quite a few uh actual plays that were in uh in her theater and um i've always enjoyed them so tiny and they it went from a real tiny place to actually a big place with the stage and so nice to see um what programs like that can do for a community absolutely Absolutely. So what we're saying is go visit, go visit Royal Heights, eat, drink, yes, yes. Uh, and visit. <laughs> All right, guys, now it's time for saludos and saludos goes out to Tyler Martin. Tyler Martin is the creator and founder of Godhood Comics and the writer and just creator of The Antagonist. Thank you so much for being on our Las Platicas. He has a new Kickstarter coming out on November 1st. Uh, please follow us to make sure you uh, follow up on that Kickstarter project coming up. And so saludos goes out to him because he was just recently on our Las Platicas. And so we're really, really excited to have that episode air out on our YouTube page. But uh, yes, he has a Kickstarter starting November 1st, running to November 30th. And if you want to learn more about Tyler and the antagonist, you can listen to our episode 126, where we review uh, the first three issues or is the first two issues? I don't I remember. It's the first two. The okay. First two. Of the antagonist. And this Kickstarter is going to be for the uh, issues four, five, and six. So get yourself up to date on these books because they are so amazing. Um, You're going to love them and we can't recommend them enough. Absolutely. All right, guys, that actually brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, You can find us at uh, you can find us at Comadres Comics podcast on TikTok 
you can email us at comadrecomics at gmail.com. Please email us with any questions. You could also, uh, and I strongly hope that you will review our podcast on Apple Podcasts to uh, for a chance to win a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Nickelodeon um, sleeping bag. And so the very first person who posts a review and DMs us that they did so will receive this uh, sleeping bag. There is no raffle. You will get it. First person who lets us know they reviewed our podcast. Where else Yay. can they find us? And you can find us at commodicycomics.com. You can always find us there and uh, definitely uh, follow all the links to where we are on the internet. Excellent. Well, that has been our episode. We have been your host. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And there's <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.